64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor, SF Walker. I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today, we look at freedom, the end of the human condition, by Jeremy Griffith and Professor Harry Prosen. In this video, we look at why are we the way we are, competitive and aggressive, rather than cooperative and loving. And beneath that, the deeper question of what is the origin of all this psychological frustration and pain inside of us humans? We provide the insight into our condition that makes it possible. The only real hope, optimism, and downright out-of-your-skin excitement for the future of the human race and our planet. A transformational experience. Stick around. Till the end, I will share with you some tools. I do have a news that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. What exactly is the human condition? And why has the human race, including the mechanistic scientific establishment, been so committed to avoiding it, to living in such complete denial of it? And what have been the consequences for Jeremy, the outsider who dared to break such an entrenched, fiercely held doctrine? Humans have suffered not from the genetic opportunism-based non-psychological animal condition, but the conscious, mind-based, psychologically troubled human condition. In the absence of understanding, we had no choice but to come up with some sort of an excuse for why we are the way we are in order to cope with the negative implications of being divisively instead of cooperatively behaved. But we do all, in truth, know that the old animals are competitive and aggressive, and that's why we are. Defense simply doesn't hold water. It does not explain our psychologically distressed human condition, and so it cannot end the pain, the suffering, the conflict and confusion that plagues this planet. What exactly is the human condition? 
despite our species' magnificent mental capabilities, an undeniable capacity for immense sensitivity and love. Behind every wondrous scientific achievement, sensitive artistic expression, and a compassionate act lies the shadow of humanity's darker side, an unspeakable history of greed, hatred, rape, torture, murder, and war, a propensity for deeds of shocking violence, depravity, indifference, and cruelty. Man is the only animal which causes pain to others with no other object than causing pain. No animal ever torments another for the sake of tormenting, but man does so. And it is this which constitutes the diabolical nature, which is far worse than the merely bestial. Precisely this dual capacity for what has historically been referred to as good and evil, that has troubled the human mind since we first became fully conscious, thinking beings. Are we essentially good? And if so, what is the cause of our destructive, insensitive, and cruel so-called evil side? Why do we thinking, reasoning, rational, immensely clever, supposedly sensible beings behave so abominably and cause so much suffering and devastation? Yes, the eternal question has been why evil? What is the origin of the dark volcanic forces that undeniably exists within us, humans. What is it deep within us humans that troubles us so terribly? What caused humans to become divisively behaved and more importantly, how is this divisive behavior ever going to be brought to an end? This is the issue of the human condition, is the real question facing the human race. Our human condition is directly related to the emergence of our conscious thinking mind. It is a result of our species having become fully conscious. And once we do accept this foundation truth, then the explanation is actually fairly obvious. The essential question is, what would happen to a species if it became capable of consciously understanding and thus managing its world? If we do think about this scenario, what would obviously happen is that the conscious mind would start to take over management from the instincts. And if we think further about that development, we can appreciate that a conflict would have arisen between the already established instinctive management system and the new conscious understanding-based management system. To refute the criticism from his instinctive self, Adam needed the discoveries that science has given us of the difference in the way genes and nerves process information. In particular, he needed to be able to explain that the gene-based learning system can orientate species to situations, but it is incapable of insight into the nature of change.
A nerve-based learning system, on the other hand, can, if sufficiently developed, understand change. Nerves were originally developed for the coordination of movement in animals. But once developed their ability to store impressions, what we refer to as memory, it gave rise to the potential to develop understanding of cause and effect. Once insights into the nature of change are put into the effect, then the self-modified behavior starts to provide feedback, refining the insight further. Predictions are compared with outcomes, and so on. Consciousness means being sufficiently aware of how experiences are related to attempt to manage change from a basis of understanding. What this means is that when the nerve-based learning system became sufficiently developed for consciousness to emerge, and with it the ability to understand the world, it wasn't enough to be instinctively orientated to the world. Conscious understanding of the world had to be found. Suffering, psychological upset, was the price of this heroic search for understanding. When we humans became fully conscious and went in search of knowledge and became angry, egocentric and alienated, that behavior only served to further exacerbate the condemnation we already felt from defying our particular instinctive orientations. Yes, our necessary search for knowledge has been an extremely guilt-inducing enterprise. It required us to defy our instincts, this necessary defiance that made us angry, egocentric, and alienated, which was an outcome that further offended our particular instincts that expect us to behave in an unconditionally selfless, cooperative, and loving way. Trying to investigate human behavior while you are living in denial of the human condition, as reductionist, mechanistic scientists have been doing, was never going to produce the truthful insight into human behavior. Only a human condition confronting, not avoiding approach, the holistic approach, could find the answers to all the great outstanding questions in science namely of the real and true explanation of the human condition and the real explanation of the meaning of our existence, of the real and true explanations of the origins of humans, unconditionally selfless moral instincts. The real and true explanation for why humans became conscious when other species haven't. The real and true description of the emergence of humans from our ancestors to our present immensely human condition afflicted upset state. Essentially what has happened is that humans have become so habituated to living in Plato's dark cave of denial that finally when given the means to exit the cave 
and stand in the warm, healing sunshine of self-understanding. We have refused to leave, and most frighteningly, in choosing to stay there, means denial and the alienation from our true self that results from that denial can only continue to increase so that very soon the human race will succumb to horrific terminal alienation. The truth that will now be revealed is that this intense personal yet universal issue of the human condition has been so unbearably confronting and depressing that we eventually learned as we grew up that we had no choice but to resign ourselves to never revisiting the subject, to never again looking at the seemingly inexplicable issue of the human condition. As consciousness emerged in humans, we progressed from being able to sufficiently understand the relationship between cause and effect, to become self-conscious, aware of our own existence during our infancy, to proactively carrying out experiments in self-management during our childhood, at which point all the manifestations of the human condition of anger, egocentricity, and alienation became to reveal themselves. It follows that it was during our childhood that we each became increasingly aware of not only the imperfections of the human condition afflicted world around us, but of the imperfections of our own behavior, that we too suffered from anger, selfishness, meanness, and indifference to others. By the end of childhood, however, children realize that lashing out in exaggeration at the imperfections, wrongness, and injustice of the world didn't change anything and that the only possible way to end their frustration was to understand that the world and their own behavior was not ideal. And it was at this point, which occurred at 12 years of age, that children underwent a dramatic change from being frustrated, protesting demonstrative loud extra words, into sobered, deeply thoughtful, quiet introverts consumed with anxiety about the imperfections of life under the duress of human condition. It is in recognition of this very significant psychological transition from a relatively human condition free state to a very much human condition aware state that we separate these stages into childhood and adolescence. A shift even our schooling systems mark by having children graduate from what is generally called primary school into secondary school. After struggling for a few years to make sense of existence, the search for understanding became so confronting of those extreme internal imperfections that adolescents had no choice but to resign to living in denial of the whole unbearably depressing and seemingly unsolvable issue of the human condition, after which they became superficial and artificial escapists, not wanting to look at any issue too deeply 
and before long, combative and competitive power, fame, fortune, and glory, relief from the agony and guilt of the human condition, seeking resigned adults. What happened around 14 or 15 years of age for virtually all of humans growing up under the duress of the imperfections of our human condition was that to avoid the suicidal depression that accompanied any thinking about the issue of our species and our own, seemingly extremely imperfect condition, there was simply no choice but to stop grappling with the answerless question. The fact is, the human race has lived a haunted existence, dogged by the dark shadow of its imperfect human condition, forever trying to escape it, the result of which that we have become immensely superficial and artificial, phony and fake, as the resigning adolescence so truthfully described it. In living on the absolute meniscus of life in terms of what we are prepared to look at, feel, and consider, we are profoundly estranged or an alienated species, completely blocked off from the amazing and wonderful real world and from the truth of our self-corruption, self-corruption. That thinking about that beautiful, inspired, natural, soulful world unbearably connects us. You cannot think truthfully if you are living in a cave of denial. Admitting to having to hide from the human condition means acknowledging and having to confront the issue of the human condition which humans haven't wanted to do. And in an addition to not wanting to be reconnected to the issue of the human condition, and the terrible depression they experienced at resignation, adults haven't wanted to admit that they did resign to a life of lying, to living a complete, superficial, phony, fake, alienated to the roots, asleep, unconscious, out of one's mind existence. Inability to know we are blocking something out occurs because obviously we cannot block something out of our mind and know we have blocked it out. Because if we knew we had blocked it out, we wouldn't have blocked it out. The fact is we aren't aware that we are alienated. The human condition emerged when our conscious mind challenged our instincts for the management of our lives with the resulting psychologically upset, competitive, aggressive, and selfish condition being greatly exacerbated by the fact that our moral instincts are orientated to living in the way that is in a complete opposite of this state, namely cooperatively, lovingly, and selflessly. Thus, the three fundamental elements involved in this explanation are that our conscious mind caused our upset state to emerge, that it is a psychological, psychotic, and neurotic 
state of upset that we are living in and that our species' original instinctive orientation was to live in a psychosis-free, peaceful and harmonious state of cooperation, love and selflessness. So these are the three truths that have been denied by human condition avoiding mechanistic science. And as sufferers of human condition, it is most likely that there are truths that the readers of this book or viewers of this video will also have been living in denial of, and thus unlikely to have been accepting as being truths. Yes, only a whole new way of thinking. The particular reconciling, the redeeming and healing way of understanding ourselves and resulting new transformed civilization could alter our species' plight. We have arrived at a situation where humanity desperately needed clear biological understanding of ourselves, understanding that would make sense of our divisive condition, and then liberate us from criticism, lift our psychological burden of guilt, and give us meaning. Trying to investigate reality while living in denial of, of, of any truths that brought the, for the most people, deadly, painful issue of the human condition into focus, as mechanistic science has done, was an extremely compromised in a deficient way of searching for knowledge. In fact, it is a measure of the blindness of human condition avoiding denial-based thinking and the effectiveness of human condition confronting honest thinking that when the whole truth about our condition is finally reached, as it now has been, it can appear so straightforward and simple that it seems almost self-evident. But simplicity has always been a hallmark of insightful thought. Whenever there has been a major insoluble problem for mankind, the answer, when finally found, has always been very simple. True explanation of the human condition requires starting from the unequivocally honest basis of acknowledging that humans did once live in a completely loving, unconditionally selfless, altruistic state, and that it was only after the emergence of our conscious mind that our present good and evil afflicted, immensely psychologically upset condition emerged. If we do this and consider what would happen when a conscious mind emerged in the presence of an already established cooperative, loving, instinctive state, given what human condition avoiding mechanistic science has managed to discover about the gene-based natural selection process, and how nerves are capable of memory, then the explanation is right there in front of us. Our altruistic moral instincts are only genetic orientations to the world and not understandings of it. 
when our fully conscious reasoning self-managing mind emerged it would in order to find the understandings it needed to effectively manage events had to challenge those innate born with genetic instinctive orientations which would have led to a psychologically upsetting clash with our moral instincts basically once our self-adjusting intellect or ability to reason emerged it was capable of taking over the management of our lives from the instinctive orientations we had acquired through the natural selection of genetic traits that adapted us to our environment. Moreover, at the point of becoming conscious, the nerve-based learning system should arrest management from the individual, from the instincts, because such a self-managing or self-adjusting system is infinitely more efficient at adapting to change than the gene-based system, which can only adapt to change very slowly over many generations. However, it was at this juncture when our conscious intellect challenged our instincts for control that a terrible battle broke out between our instincts and our intellect, the effect of which was the extremely competitive selfish and aggressive state that we call the human condition. Everywhere we look, everywhere we look, we see hierarchies of ordered matter. There's a tree that is composed of parts, leaves, branches, trunk, trunk, roots, and in turn those parts are composed of parts, fibers, cells, and so on. Our world is clearly composed of a hierarchy of ordered matter. Atoms have come together or integrated to form compounds, which in turn have come together or integrated to form virus-like organisms, which integrated to form single-cell organisms, which then integrated to form multicellular organisms, which have done, then come together or integrated to form societies of multicellular organisms significantly the behavior required for these ordered arrangements of matter or holes to stay together is selflessness. Because selflessness means being considerate of the welfare of the larger whole or integrative, while selfishness is divisive or disintegrative. Selflessness is, in fact, the theme of existence, the glue that holds holes together. But in light of our divisive, selfish, egocentric, competitive and aggressive behavior, humans have obviously found this truth of the selflessness dependent integrative meaning of existence unbearably condemning. And being so unbearably condemning, the main way we coped with this truth of integrative meaning was to defy it. When we humans went in search for knowledge, we were initially criticized for not obeying our instincts. 
And then secondly, for responding to that initial criticism in a way that offended our cooperatively orientated, moral, instinctive, conscious, and then thirdly, by the behavior defined, very integrative, cooperative theme of existence that our intellect could so plainly see existed in nature. We defied our instincts, we offended our moral conscience, and we insulted the very meaning of existence. And God, we humans, could hardly be more guilt-ridden. And all this guilt, which we can now understand, was completely unjustified. And it made us extremely, excruciatingly upset, absolutely furious, in fact. What is so utterly exonerating and psychologically healing about our ability to understand the human condition now is that we can finally appreciate that there was a very good reason for our angry, alienated, and egocentric lives. In fact, we can now see why our species has not just been egocentric, but ego-infuriated, even ego-gone mad with murderous rage for having to live with so much unjust criticism, guilt for some two million years. At long last, we have the reason for humans' capacity for shocking acts of cruelty, sadism, hate, murder, warfare. We now know the source of the dark volcanic forces in us humans. We can see that as dishonest as it necessarily was in its approach, mechanistic reductionist science turns out to be the liberator of humanity, the proverbial messiah or the savior of humanity, for it has finally enabled us to lift the so-called burden of guilt from the human race. It found understanding of the difference in the way nerves and genes process information. The one is insightful, and the other isn't. Which has finally made it possible to explain the greatest of the mysteries, that holy grail of all human conscious thought and inquiry, of the human condition. Difficulty arises from the fact that, for a collection of parts to form and hold together, for matter to integrate, the parts of the developing whole must cooperate, behave selflessly, place the maintenance of the whole above the maintenance of themselves. Because if they do not cooperate, if they compete, behave selfishly or inconsiderately, then the whole disintegrates. The parts break down into the more elementary building blocks of matter from which they were assembled. As Kostler stated, to create order out of disorder requires functional coordination. Put simply, selfishness is divisive or disintegrative, while selflessness is integrative. It is the glue that holds holes together. It is, in fact, the theme of the integrative process and thus of existence. It is also what we mean by the word love, word for love being caritas, meaning charity or giving or selflessness. Max Planck, another Nobel Prize winner, 
similarly recognized that there can never be any real opposition between science and religion, for the one is the complement of the other. Australia's greatest ever educator, Sir James Darling, said, scientists can no more deny or devaluate the truths of spiritual experience than the theologian can neglect the truths of science. And the two truths must be reconcilable and it must be of importance to each of us that they should be reconciled to cope with our less than ideal human condition. There has only been ever either denial or faith. Unconditionally selfless self-sacrifice for the good of the whole is the very theme of existence. It is only because of the limitation of the gene-based natural selection process that unconditionally selfless behavior normally cannot be developed between sexually reproducing individuals. Selfless cooperation, not selfish, competitive survival of the fittest behavior, is the real characteristic of the existence, the theme of life. If you refuse to admit the critical role nurturing has played in the emergence of the humanity, and as a direct result of that heritage in the sound upbringing of humans today, then levels of alienation will only increase and terminal alienation will soon destroy the human race. Plato didn't stop there, going on to say, and if anyone tried to release them and lead them up, they would kill him if they could lay hands on him. This information is the very opposite of the mindless dogma that characterizes a mind-controlling sect. It is a mindful understanding. It is brain food, not brain anesthetic. Plato's anticipation of the ferocity of the attack that would be made on the person who escapes from the cave into the light of day and then dragged humanity out into the sunlight this can make those who take the trouble to grapple with it uncomfortable because it involves reflections on subject matter, including the purpose of human existence, which may, of its nature, cause an adverse reaction as it touches upon issues which some would regard as threatening to their ideals, values, or even worldviews. Revolutions are often initiated by an outsider, someone not locked in. To the current model, which hampers vision almost as much as blinders would. A whole paradigm shift from living in denial to living honestly. It will be resisted by the most, which is what Plato predicted. The reality is that any meritous new idea in science has typically gone through stages of resistance and even persecution before gaining universal acceptance, a process that philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer articulated when he said that, that the reception of any successful new scientific hypothesis goes through predictable phases before being accepted. First, it is ridiculed and violently opposed. Second, after support begins to accumulate, it is stated that it may be true, 
but it's not particularly relevant. Third, after it has clearly influenced the field, including members of the establishment quickly remodeling, plagiarizing the ideas as their own discoveries, it is admitted to be true and relevant, but the same critics assert that the idea is not original. Finally, it is accepted as being self-evident. Nurturing of children is what is required to produce adults who are sound and secure in self. Ultimately, it is the only through the nurturing of our offspring that the human race can hope to become healthy, namely psychosis and neurosis free once again. To, as Ashley Montague said, put man back on the road of his evolutionary destiny from which he has gone so far astray, and restore health and happiness for all humanity. To produce humans who are completely free of psychosis and neurosis, and not needing to take up the transformed way of living, they need to be nurtured with unconditional love in their infancy and childhood, a process that will take some generations to achieve, while all the accumulated upset within our species subsides. The nerve-based learning system, unlike the gene-based learning system, can associate information, reason, how experiences are related, learn to understand, and then become conscious of the relationship of events that occur through time. To admit to integrative meaning meant having to face the fact that our competitive and aggressive behavior is seemingly total at odds with the integrative direction of life, no less. The development and maintenance of that order of matter required that the parts of developing wholes cooperate, not compete. Integrative meaning, meaning confronts us squarely with our divisive human condition. The discovery of truth is prevented most effectively by prejudice, which stands in the path of truth, and it's then like a contrary wind driving a ship away from land. The great danger was that since upset was the price of searching for knowledge, if everyone became addicted to selfishly indulging their need to relief from by doing good to feel good, there would be no tolerance for non-ideal upset behavior. And for humanity, all-important search for knowledge, ultimately liberating self-knowledge, would be shut down, condemning humanity to terminal levels of alienation and thus extinction. People have things within their personal purview, their experience, that are difficult to deal with, and that they are avoiding. And generally, the way they avoid them is by adopting pseudo-moralistic stances on large-scale social issues, so they look good to their friends and neighbors. We are nature's unique experiment to make the rational intelligence prove itself sounder than the reflex, instinct, knowledge is our destiny, self-knowledge at last, bringing together the experience of the arts, and the explanation of the science waits ahead of us. And there you have it. Freedom, the end 
of the human condition. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below so you buy it and you read and you never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, then do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.